Hey, what's going on, Scott? Hey, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Are you all, are you back at the shop and all comfortable? Yes, I'm always comfortable. <laughs> always comfortable. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, dude, I it's good to get you on the phone and talk to you. I've got uh, I mean. I don't know that I have like a lot of questions, but I, I think it's, I just think it's really cool. You know, what you're doing, you know, the thing that caught my attention first was the, the bear foundation and uh, really wanted to talk to you about that. But then also um, I don't know that much about the, the biohazard and that type and that side of the industry. That isn't, that isn't my customer. So uh, interested to talk to you about that too. Yeah, that's fine. What I, I, I mean, the bearing hope was really put together like three years ago. So Okay. Um, so, and then bio, I've, it's family business for the last 25 years. So I kind of got brought up in it. Oh, very so cool. Yeah. So it's all I've been surrounded with, you can say. Well, before we cue the music and get the, get the podcast started, uh, is there anything that, that you kind of want me to make sure that we talk about? No, no, just, um, I love to talk. So just <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, you just. <laughs> You're in the right. You're in the right spot, man. We're good. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna. If you can hear me, okay. Volume sounds good. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yep. And you too. All right. I'm cueing the music, and we'll roll. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to the GMS podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. We're recording. I have a, a great guest with us today, somebody I've wanted to talk to for quite a while. Scott Vogel, how are you, bud? Good. Can't complain. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm doing very good. Very good. Um, I guess uh, I guess to, to kind of get into it, I, I just want to start. Let's just open it up for you. Throw some background information out there. Let people kind of know where who you are and what you're doing, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. So yeah, so my name is Scott Vogel. I'm actually a doctorate student, uh, doctorate of public health at Rutgers University, and I'm actually a co-owner with my mom and dad with a biohazardous remediation company for the last 25 years based out of the tri-state new jersey new york pennsylvania area plus i am the founder and director of the bearing hope foundation which is a foundation created actually this year where we uh take um basically funds and take donations and we buy bears from build-a-bear custom-made bears and we donate them to kids going through a traumatic event hospitals or if domestic violence we will end up giving that bear to that kid oh that's great man that's great so have you always been in the what you say pennsylvania jersey area yeah well yeah i actually did do about seven years down in orlando at ucf i went and got my master's down there okay so i um I did do about seven years in Kissimmee and Orlando area, and then I moved back here in 2009, and then that's when I kind of took over my dad's company. Okay. So is, is your dad still involved? Yeah, my mom and dad are actually still involved heavily, actually. we oh, okay. um, Yeah, we're seeing a big growth, so um, they're still really involved. I just took over basically all the operations end of it. Okay. And now what kind of – and another reason I was interested in talking with you, because you – I feel like some of the work that you're doing on that bio side 
isn't really anything that I'm familiar with, either on the electrical, with my background, or with my customers and basically residential water mitigation. Um, so what, what kinds of things are you guys are you guys seeing out there? So um, this year, actually, because of COVID, we've seen about a 20% to 30% increase in suicide calls, um, which oh, wow, has taken a toll. So yeah, which has taken a toll on the guys a little bit. Um, but it's what we do. I mean, we have our basically our seasons where we have more unattended deaths. We have a higher count of suicide. So we do have our typical months where we'll expect to see a higher portion. But unfortunately, with COVID and depression being a all-time high, we've actually seen an uptick all year since January. Even last year, we've seen even a higher increase of suicides. But now we're kind of getting back to normal. Um, okay. So recently, we've been getting a lot of unattended deaths, which is um, people that have actually, no one has basically checked on them for about two, three weeks, mm. and they've passed away. Okay. Um, so a lot of, in our industry, we will call that a decomp. But it's an unattended death, which means nobody kind of was there. No one witnessed it, and they passed along. Okay. I guess I don't know. I'm a little taken back right now, and I guess I don't know what I was what I was expecting your answer to be when I when I asked you about the the job you are. But I mean, just uh, that that kind of the uptick in suicide rates. So I mean, there's, I guess on on one side, you know, we. I'm used to dealing with people with the, with the water, with the fire, you know, we talk about how much chaos is going on, you know, in their lives and at that moment and how they're devastated by, you know, that loss. But, but I guess on your side, it's a very, it's, it's a very different loss and a more, a more, um, a more significant loss that, that you guys are dealing with in your team. Um, And when, what what you were saying is that's actually a great example is because when you go to a water fire, a lot of the things are replaceable. Right. You know, yes, you have your collectibles that you have maybe, but when you deal with the loss of a loved one, that is a life that can't be replaced. So our approach has to be in a whole nother form, our level of training, especially if it does deal with the suicide. But when it's an accidental loss, you know, all of these like from an accident. All of these incidents require us to approach it in different manners because sure. not every job is – if I'm dealing with a suicide of a young kid or a suicide of a father or a suicide of a gentleman that's 95 that just found out he had terminal cancer and he didn't want to go through that road. So each job that we go on entails a different level of skill set and a, approach compared to – look. That yes, the house burnt down. It can be built. Right. Unfortunately, right. you're dealing with homeowner. You're dealing with um, clients that you can say, "Yeah, your son passed away. I'm sorry. Like I can't bring him back. I can't replace him. They don't really want to hear any of that. So we have to come in it from a different. And that's why um, my guys, um, we actually go through an eight-hour psychological first aid class that we've designed. And, that was um, my next question. Was yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we took kind of that things. in on how to communicate with actually these um, people to understand, and that's another reason I actually just had a job where of um, a uh, father took the his life and his uh, ex wife's life and had kids. So mm. surprisingly, not that's where the Van Hope came in. I'm not trying to change it, but right, we ended right. up giving the kids three bears. 
and it, you know, it gave that sense of personality, that, that personal touch mm-hmm. that we've always been involved. My parents were EMTs for 25 years. I was a volunteer EMT still. I'm a volunteer first responder, but we've always been willing to give back. And that's why we were founded is because I have people that I deal with five, 10 years that are still in communication with me because a lot of families that we deal with really incorporate us sometimes in their life after the fact. Um, I did a emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I've done a suicide where I'm actually really good friends with the family now and our kids are growing up together. So it's, it's weird because when I look at them, how we met is something you never want to bring up at a dinner party. Right. But that bond was instant because I was there at that family's worst time. And now we get to grow and our kids get to have a good time. But at the same time, they know I was there. So it's, 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 it's kind of an interesting life. (laughs) It's, it's very interesting and it's very, and I guess it's very different. I mean, cause I don't, I don't ever go into these podcasts with like a set of questions, but I would say you, the most of my guests are very similar and a lot of the same questions, you know, I can ask, but you know, I don't know that I want to, I don't, and not being, not being like disrespectful or anything to anyone, but it's like, I don't want to go down a road where it's like, Oh, what's one of the crazy stories you've been, you know, it's like, that isn't one. I mean, I guess it's just, it's just, it hit me more emotional talking to you now about it than, than I thought it would. And that's, and that's one of the things that, you know, I've, I've experienced whenever I go to dinner parties or, Hey, what's the craziest things you've seen? What's this? And we're like, and I've actually, yeah. And it's like, why, why do you care? Like, dude, it's not about that. It's like, we also need a time to decompress. And, you know, even this year alone has been a little bit hard on even myself. And I've been in the industry for so long, just because there's no time to decompress because, we go to work and then we go on. And once you turn on news, everything that's there is death, mm. death, death, death. There's been no time to actually kind of get around that and decompress from our job. So I've even seen that, like our guys, we're trying to invent outside the box thinking to get them to decompress because our gyms, a lot of that was closed. So we didn't have that out. So kind of your finally, normal, yeah, your yeah. normal outs were taken away. So when I can get, when I get into conversations with this, we can go, it can go both ways. It can go. A lot of people will be like, Oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's the worst crazy thing? And I'm like, no, you know, we're just here to help. It's knowing, you know, when you deal with biological mercies and well, we also can do anthrax. We can also do high level bioterrorism. And I do have a full level a team that goes into SCBA and we will respond, and we have responded for the government. So normally I try to sway the conversation that way about the advanced biologicals more than just your residential because that's more of an interesting, more expertise aspect of it than talking about your residential where more people would get more emotional because of that. Yeah. No, I I can see that. Um well, I guess kind of still 
I guess I got one more question about the residential because I mean I can mm-hmm. I mean can imagine I mean talking with your guys and and suicides are up and things are getting to them how how do you guys decompress and I would I would imagine it's different for everyone but you as a company now and you have your team members what what kind of things are you looking for in them to go okay like this this guy this girl like they need they need the break they need a talk they need an education they need what what kind of things are you doing to support them when they even even when they going into the job support them going into the job and then also once the jobs are completed so what we've done um, the last year, for example, we started doing monthly uh, food packages to all our guys. And that's because I didn't want them to go home and have to deal with cooking or the families. Okay. So every month we would deliver them like Omaha steaks and a bunch of food. So we were going shopping for them. We were ordering them and shopping. So they, that, that kind of got them to go home, be able to sit down and just enjoy a meal with the family okay. and not have to worry about all that chaotic things. We try to, like for me, example, um, I have two little kids. So I go home and I'm a big Lego guy. I love Legos. Um, okay. I build them. I probably have like $30,000 of Legos. <laughs> and I is build there a them. certain, is there like a certain collection or? or yeah, cer- they, I'll have to show you. It's a, it's a city block. It's like a crater series. Okay. And they have like all these big, it's 16 plus age group. And I'll just spend like. Seven, Are you making that up, building. Scott? So we, we no, <laughs> no. It, it's called the it's called the Creators Block. It's a town. I mean, I have about fifteen or twenty of them. I also have like the Disney Castle. I have the Harry Potter's. Um, I also have a bunch of Star Wars ones. Okay. So, like, it's my way to work with my hands, decompress, go there, put my headphones on, and just go away, and yeah. just just build and just basically build something that's just fun and then also my house we don't watch the news that often um with two younger kids the disney channel is all that's on um so (laughs) i mean it takes me out of reality a little bit where you know me and my wife also got married at disney so we are a big disney family in general okay so us too so yeah very cool yeah so it gets me away from that reality and that's what we try to encourage our guys is don't don't focus on that job. Don't focus. And I still have troubles on some jobs where I can't even do them um, because I have young kids. So when we deal okay. with a job that when we deal with a job that includes a young kid, I won't go to. Um, um, I will. I have volunteers. So sure. the the members that have no kids are okay to go. So we do have that denial. So that's how we really cope on that is we try to tell them that we're here. If they need to talk, if they need a couple days, we'll do it. Um, we, I have an RV. So during COVID, we said any weekend they could go up and use the RV. We docked it at a campsite and said, look, it's for oh, everybody. Very cool. This isn't just us. If you need to get away, take your family, go up there, take the three, four days away. Yeah. And you know what? We'll get the home front. Like, I'll, we'll we'll control it here. My thing is so you can understand that we're all in this together. And that's kind of the mentality my mom and dad always brought up to me because it's a family business, is that we are all family. And if you can treat our employees like that, that helps the decompression because they know they have someone to talk to. 
when they feel like they don't, especially when they don't have someone to talk to that understands, yeah, then they go down a deep end. Then you feel alone. Exactly. Knowing that we have that outsource that we have had where it's like, hey, Scott, I need to talk to you. Hey, what's going on? And it could be two, three o'clock in the morning. My phone is always on to all my guys. Yeah. Um, so they have access to my phone. They Anytime they need to talk to me and my dad, we're there. And that's kind of the mentality that we built. And that that in itself is decompression in itself because you're not alone. And then by doing other things like saying, hey, look, we'll pay for your gym membership if you can get one. But the gym's been closed. But right. we do do health activities because we're very health safety and health conscious here. So, like, we do pay for gym memberships. We do encourage. We'll have um, quarterly, like, uh, walkathons or, okay. like, meters where, like, you'll, you'll count your steps. Yeah. So if you hit, like, 10,000 steps a day, it records um, and we'll end up giving a gift certificate out to the person who had the most steps in the quarter. So we'll do certain things like that to encourage more exercise base as like, well. Just keep people active. Yes, exactly. Make them understand that, you know, there's a life out there. Go have fun. Go enjoy it. But at the same time, when that phone rings, we got to go to work. Yeah. And being on call 24 hours, because just like the water and fire, we're always on call. <laughs> but, but the problem is, is I'm the one. I actually never take the phone off me. So I'm always on call to pick up the phones 24 hours a day. I'm the only one who takes the calls. Because that initial phone call at one, two o'clock can be the roughest because that's when you get in the call saying, I don't know who else to call my somebody just, I just walked in, I just did this or someone just died. So I don't let my text pick up that call. That call comes directly to me. Even if I'm on vacation, okay. that call comes to me. Yeah, that's, that's. It's so interesting. Now, some of the questions I have, kind of, a, and I'll just say like a normal, a normal job, um, whatever that, whatever that means. But kind of like what you're talking about, like with the call that you get, like who, who is the person that's calling? Are you getting calls from from EMS, from police, from is it a family member that that is usually the person calling? And then when you respond to these jobs, how do you guys like kind of what's your protocol and what's the timing like as you as you're going into, say, a normal job for you? So a normal job, I mean, if it's on the day, again, family business, my cousin actually is one of our office managers. Okay. So she'll she'll pick up the call. We have a screen where she'll go down the list, ask a few questions. It's normally a family member. Okay. What we do is so iMessaging is a great tool and we use all Macs. So when the phone call comes in, she's physically typing messages to me, my dad, or my cousin Bob. Now it will say, This is what's going on. Is anybody available for a transfer? Because we don't want to ask these family members two, three questions. Old questions over and over and over. Make them relive it, yeah. Yes. So what we do is about five minutes in, once we have the basic details, she'll email, she'll text all three of us. One of us will say, we're available, we're available, I'm transferring you. That call then directly comes to, say, for me. Mm -hmm. I'll pick up the phone, I'll say, hey, how you doing? This is, uh, Allison told me all of this information. 
How can we help you? Did you reach out to insurance? What's going on? Okay. So I followed up there. Then she'll be like this, this. Then I say, okay, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my team out there right away. Um, I'll hang up the phone. I'll dispatch my team. Uh, I'll type in, well, we use company cam. Absolutely love them. Okay. No <laughs> shout out for them, but um, <laughs> we'll end up creating a company cam picture uh, uh, document and saying, okay, here's the thread. Here's everything that's going on. Now my supervisor with one or two other texts are dispatched. When they get to the site, they do a risk assessment called BISRA, which is created by the American Bio Recovery Association, which is it's basically a bio risk assessment that we do on every job. Um, it tells us um, what hazards we have to face, safety, uh, safety concerns that we have, and then we all talk about it. All the techs and supervisors, they talk about it before entering the job site. Um, and then they do the job. Um, normally, with insurance, insurance isn't really involved um, at this point. Okay. So normally at that point, if they're too upset, Allison will call insurance for them and make that initial contact on behalf of the homeowner. I know not a lot of people like that, and it's controversial in our field. But the thing is, is the insurance is going to ask the homeowner exactly what we just asked them. And do we, again, want to live it over twice or three or four times at this point because they had to talk to the police of what happened. Now they had to call family. I don't want to re-victimize them. So what we're going to do is we're going to make that clean, and then we're going to make that contact. All insurance normally does is say, can I get the homeowner on the phone to approve that I can talk to? And okay. that's all they do and say yes. And then we make that initial contact and then we do the whole claim and do the job. Um, and it jobs can vary from an unattended death where somebody was laying there for two weeks and it leaks through the floors and it's in the basement or a typical gunshot with birdshot. Um, with birdshot, now it's all over. So you have to look at then you have tear gas issues. It's tear gas involved. Um, so there's a mm. big component of things that could be going on if it's an overdose. Is fentanyl involved? Um, is there what drug do we have to? We have funny stories that have happened. Um, one, there was a, a snake that was loose, and we couldn't find the snake. So um, my mother was actually on this job. And she grabbed, and the gentleman did have an artificial leg, and they did. We didn't know that, so my mother put her hand on the artificial leg, thinking it was the snake. Oh, not knowing it was, and she just she lost it. And <laughs> I mean, it's little things like that. So we do have funny stories, but then we have other stories where um, one of my guys. We had a partial ceiling collapsed. Person died on the second floor. And partial ceiling collapsed on the first, and he was under there when it happened, and he was covered head to toe in maggots. Mm. And, like, that's the more gross, like, the gruesome, like, oh, my God, I can, like, I'm hoping you're not doing dinner after this. But yeah. that's, like, that's a funny story looking back what happened. But, yet it's still morbid thinking about it. Like... So we have our laughs. We have our outside the weird cases, but our typical jobs are we respond, we clean up, 
and then we go. And then, you know, everyone moves on. I mean, we do do the rebuild here. I sub it out. I don't do it in-house, but I sub it out. And that's because we had a job where a woman, a uh, family member passed away in the bathroom and we cleaned it up and that removed the tub and the tile. And about two, three months later, she called me and said, I can't find a contractor. Okay. And I, I finally looked at my dad and I said, look, we got to start lining up good contractors here because we're getting this more and more. And I cannot leave a family now looking to fix up their house. You want to provide solutions. Just, yeah. Exactly. So I ended up now, we do minor stuff in-house, but yeah, then we'll sub it out to bigger and just become almost the general contractor on the job after the job. Okay. To make it all exclusive so they don't have to really worry about it. This, yeah, I guess I've never, I've never really spent any time really thinking about that side of the business other than like, Oh yeah, someone you know, someone dies, they clean it up. Um, but obviously, there's so when you really start kind of dissecting it, there's so much more that goes into into that, and and your guys's training and things as well, and then how you take care of yourselves afterward. So I don't know if you saw I did post something, but so I just created the first uh, approved Department of Labor um, apprenticeship for our field. So it's 295 hours of classroom work. And 4,000 hours of in the field work. I created this because I'm a big component of training and education because I think that's what it sets apart. Absolutely. What it's, yeah, exactly. And I mean, everyone laughs. So I'm back in school for my doctorate and everyone's like, why are you going there? You don't need it. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I love education. Yeah. I love to become an expert. I love to gain the information because the information will help me better myself and my job and that's what i've done with all my guys so if they're not out in the field they're in learning they're so, doing yeah they're just skilled now all my guys they have water they have fire you know they have carpet cleaning we've done it with the ircrc like taking them classes but yet we don't do it we don't focus on that we specialize in trauma and biological so we have the 40-hour hazwopper we have more of an infectious disease background. Yeah, We do a lot of stuff in training on understanding how to do risk assessments. Because to me, going to a job and cleaning up a job, is, is it's, it's straightforward in, in a lot of sense, but actually being able to assess that job, being able to be able to pick out the things that you could possibly miss or could be a concern, and being able to put that together that to me is one of the biggest and the hardest aspects of our job is because we are truly going into the unknown. We don't know if the person had something. Why did they die? How did they die? Um, is there something we have to be worried about? Were they drug, were they drug users? Do they have needles? So there's so many outside variable that ha that could be incorporated into our jobs. So I really key on the risk assessment for my guys. Yeah. We really truly focus on that so they don't get themselves hurt. Now, what kind of what kind of uh, standards and procedures are there for for like proper PPE? What are you guys usually wearing or or not wearing? What is what do you look like when you're going into these into these jobs? It depends on the job. Um, okay. We can wear your half face, full face. Uh, I use ILC Dover. Um, your Full hood PAPRs. That's one of our most common. 
Um, it's just because it makes life a lot easier, a lot, it's more breathable. Um, half face on a tip, sometimes typical job with glasses, uh, with goggles. But then again, we've done, we respond in level A. So we, we've wear the bubble suits. We have the packs, we have the CBA units and we train in that. So we've done where we got called to a job and we're suiting up top to bottom with SCBA going into a job that could have a biological event that's above what we can ha handle. Um, not what we can handle, but what most people can handle. And we're going in in full suits because if we get exposed to them, we could die. So it depends on the job, but our standard is just, you know, full face, uh, your tie cam QCs, um, more of your, um, either in shield tech 55s, like more of your yellow in, in nature, okay. that color Tyvek. So more of your like medium grade and then you full face or you'll end up dealing with um, your PAPRs. That's most of our standard jobs that we go into. Okay. And then on the, on the trauma side and dealing with insurance, do you guys have the same issues as the the water guys and the fire guys in in trying to collect and and bill insurance companies no okay. um so we are getting there we are now starting to have troubles but oh, there's really? a few com yeah there are a few companies out there that i don't want to say price gouge but completely make all of us look really like angels yeah so um if you do it right <laughs> And most of the time, the adjusters don't even want to go on the job site. And most adjusters can't even go on a job site because of the hazard that could be associated. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. So, we actually do use Matterport as well. Um, so, we'll do virtual reality and we'll do the imaging. And so, the adjuster doesn't even have to come out. And we'll just be honest with the adjuster. This is this, this. And one of the things that why we actually do like company cam the most is before because the um that project line so when we take documentation we show why and i tell the clients if we're not going to get paid for it that means we can't prove why we did it that's on me that's not on you that okay. might not be like a, a a good way to look at it but if i can't explain to insurance why i did something with documentation then why did i do it so as long as i can prove it I've never had an issue with insurance. Never. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good for you guys. And I mean, one less kind of less headache for you guys to deal with when, when running the company. Uh, well, they still take, you know, three, four months to pay sometimes. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, but overall, yeah, they normally like, they'll try to hit me for the little things, but supervisor rates, like they'll be like, Oh, why are you supervisor? But again, if you know how to explain it and you use your notes yeah. and Xactimate, you're fine. Most people in our industry actually don't use Xactimate. They just use T&M. Okay. So they're, they're fine. I use both. Um, commercially, I will use most of your T&M, but it's still the Xactimate pricing. It's just residential. We always use Xactimate, and we, never, we normally never have an issue. And I, again, I've never actually had an issue. Well, that's good. In 25 years. So I'm doing good. Yeah. Well, and, and so in kind of transitioning, so there's one thing that I saw. I remember you posted it. You'll have to remind me. I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong. You were cleaning 
football stadiums. And then I also want to get into kind of with the uh, with the bios. And then we just came off of COVID and that whole year. I mean, there had to be maybe more jobs you were doing COVID related or extra training you were doing. What did what did kind of last year look like? And then what's the and then you guys clean a football stadium, right? So we actually so we were contacted by ESPN. Okay. Um, to do like their crews, um, they're like TV broadcast centers during football games. So uh, okay, yeah. So we did about, but I do do some uh, sports arenas around here. We did about I want to say twenty something games uh, for college football um, okay. all over the country, where I teamed up with other companies. But I always sent one of my guys um, gotcha. because of the level I wanted to make sure that it was done right. But that was just basically high touch surface cleaning. It was more of a, just making sure everyone knew we were there and we were just keeping the place clean, but they wanted the certifications. They wanted somebody who knew what they were doing, not somebody that they were just pulling off the street. Sure. Okay. No, that that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, When it comes to COVID, I mean, in all honesty, I've, I might be hated for saying this, but so many companies popped up this year and said, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. And everyone was charging residentials three, $400 to do it. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to jump the hype because realistically we've been doing infectious disease for again, 25 years. Yeah. So we, we, we have top of line equipment. We do pharma, we do uh, food processing, so we do hospital settings, healthcare settings. So we were very familiar with it. So surprisingly, not a lot of your commercial jobs that were more of your one-timers, we didn't take, we didn't want. Most of our jobs were more of your government, your state facilities, your healthcare, and they didn't use us that often. They used us, but only when they had a large-scale outbreak. If they had one or two, it wasn't like, oh my God, call them in. It was more, okay, we have 15 out, we're shutting down, we want you to come in and treat. And we weren't just spraying, we were high, uh, critical touch point, wiping down, um, and then we were using the ionized hydrogen peroxide to follow up on that. But that's what we do, but yet we didn't, again, we didn't focus on it. We really didn't even advertise for it at all, where a lot of people were putting them flyers out. Oh, right, yeah. Like yeah. we just we just didn't because I don't want to say I thought it was a scam, but it was in some sense because it was hyped uh, up. Yeah, no, well, it's still dangerous. Like I'm vaccinated, you know, my mm-hmm. whole family. So like it's hyped up, but at the same time, it is a novel coronavirus that you had to take serious. But when it came to the environment. We didn't really know where it was going to go, but a typical form of that type of virus, the envelope, that's – we knew in general that they don't live outside the body for that long. So now when all the hype in the beginning, like the first month, we were on high alert because we didn't know. But then when we started seeing certain things, then we started backing down a little bit um, because we knew the severity. And now, look, it's – you don't have to clean after, what, 48 hours or 72. 24 hours is the CDC recommendation. After 24 hours, you can go in and just lightly clean, where we kind of saw that trend going about two months into it. 
So we weren't really focusing on it because this is what we do. This is how we do it. So this wasn't new for us to be able to look on the meetings, look at the data, look at the scientific evidence out there and be able to form our opinion instead of going, oh, I do this, although I've never done this. I'm going to Home Depot, buy a $50 sprayer and put a put any type of chemical in it and just pretend I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And we saw so much of that. And I had carpet cleaners. I had, and look, nothing against them. I had so many people call me and say, Hey, you're probably so busy. You know, I've been doing this. I went and took a two hour class. I, I went to home Depot, bought this. Can you sub me out? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what type of virus is this? Uh, uh, yeah, no, like, and I'm not going to sub out anyway, but you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And I was just talking to OSHA and the EPA about this, about what COVID could do. It could actually hurt our industry because COVID might have been easier, but how many now weekend warriors are you going to get to do a bola cleanup or take a chance at anthrax or take a chance of uh, bacterial meningitis or something that could be more harmful, but they just think, Hey, we can just do this like COVID. Won't it work? Not really understanding. And um, yesterday I was on the phone with the EPA actually talking about them coming out with uh, campaigns and I'll forward you it. Um, I was talking to him about coming out with campaigns related to infectious disease and proper disinfection and certain things that they're creating things now to give to the public to make contractors more aware that, look, you might be able to do this. You might have got away, but that's because nobody knew what was going on. Now they're starting to dial back and say, we're not going to allow this to continue to go on. And um, now with the NEP, which is OSHA's national uh, enforcement program for COVID, which was signed um, and is going to be, I think, fully in place May 21st, you're going to start seeing a lot more enforcement on this. Okay. Um, misapplications, a lot of your um, HASCOM respiratory fit testing. That's what the NEP was designed to do. It's a national, you know, basically an emphasis program, but it's enforcement. That's, I was on the call the last three days, um, well, a seminar in the mornings, the last three mornings, about the development of this and how it's going to roll out. Because right now, with COVID, only the healthcare has been really geared towards getting enforced and getting fined. But now they're working their way up into other industries. And I believe our industry, water, fire, the restaurant industry as a whole is going to be one of the biggest ones that they're going to focus on of record keeping and certain things they're going to target because we're the ones that a lot of us aren't following the rules. So, so it's, yeah, it's coming. It's, it's coming. It just when, but that's where, and with this administration, I have a feeling the enforcement's going to be heavy. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, really interesting because I would have thought, you know, I mean, everybody else, you know, COVID comes through, disinfecting sales go through the roof. But, I mean, I thought you were going to be like, oh, gosh, we got slammed and we did. But, yeah, I guess when when you look, I guess I look at it, and, you, and tell me if I'm wrong looking at it like this. But I look at it as you have, it was, it was almost like 
it was market driven rather than science driven. And the market, you know, the guy that wants, that's going to go out and work and and make some money. And I'm not, and I'm not, you know, bad mouthing them or, or downgrading them. I mean, they're, they're providing a service to the market and the, and a lot of the work was market driven. Exactly. I want to say it was more political driven. And then we capitalized you're taking on it, that. You're taking it to a different level than yeah, I was willing to take yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, but I will. It was politically driven, but then it was market-driven market um, because it, it, it was. And I can't fault service providers for going out and doing a job. I can't. Right. I, mean, I mean, realistically, pine salt could kill it. Like any chemical that could technically kill uh, the SARS-CoV-2. So it wasn't the mere fact that you're taking my work, it was just people didn't really understand. And I'm more scared about going forward of learning from how, what we did and better ourselves. And look, if people want to stay in it, that's great. But now go and get trained. Now go and revisit yours. If you want to stay in it, that's perfectly fine. It's just get the education. Yeah. Just get it. Just, you know, I'm, I'm very for education, as I said before. I don't care who, how many companies are around the corner from me. As long as we're on the same playing field and we're going to, you know, my, yeah. one of my, yeah, and you know Tom Licker, and I'll mention him, IRS, Tom Peters and all. Look, they're 30 minutes away from me, and they're huge. Me and him are some of the best subs together because when I'm busy, I sub him. When he's busy, he subs me. Like, that's because we know that when we sub us, out in the biofield we have that same mindset and the same education where we feel safe and that's something that i feel is lacking in the restoration world is that continuity in making everybody kind of work the same way um but yeah yeah and in the biofield i like that and that's why we do have associations like the american bio recovery association um designed for educational purposes so we can all come on the same level and be like, hey, look, we're here to help each other. You got questions. We're here. And my crime group that we started on Facebook, th- th- you know, we don't bash. It's, hey, if you have a question, ask. We're going to answer it. It's not pumping our chest up. We've been in 25. No, it's let's all get to a level where we can all do this proficiently and smart and safely. And if we can do that. There's enough work out there, but right now the lack of regulations in the country for the trauma world and the bio world is alarming. And with COVID, it's going to push it to help. But in general, like I said, COVID was a great thing, but Ebola in 2015 was a great event that you would think not great like because of the death and everything, but great in the show of what we needed as a country or as an industry to kind of turn that page to make regulations. Right. And we're seeing that on COVID. In Ebola, you saw that the first, like, two, three months, but then it died down. Well, it, kind of, it shows you where you're weak. Exactly. And um, in school this semester, we really talked about all our pandemic plans were focused on influenza-type diseases. This was an influenza-like disease so we weren't really ready to handle a pandemic like this now if you know a flu yeah hey we have that but when it's uh influenza like that we weren't prepared for and 
we fell short on that. And now we'll work on that and grow. And this is where even your restoration world, you should have your pandemic response plans. You should have everything in place where now all my, um, all our office staff, all our techs, we all have computers. Um, and inside our office, we have the dual screens that we can plug into, but then they can bring their home laptops home, just like schools are doing now. Okay. So just in case yep. we can open up and we can work from anywhere. And we're doing that now because of, you never know where we're going to be. And in restoration world and water and fire, you know, water, you got a cat event. <laughs> you, you could be anywhere, you know, with Texas and everything this year, these water guys, some of them are phenomenal on how they can set up shop anywhere. And, Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where in the bio world, we never really needed to. I've had a few jobs where job was maybe a week. Um, we actually did one. It wasn't bio, it was chem uh, because they needed level A response. And um, it was a chlorine explosure that we were on for about a month, a month and a half. Hence why I had my RV. But yeah. we put the RV there and we were on site for 24 hours. So like that was like our biggest cat event, you can say. But it was also 45 minutes from my office. It's just we needed to be on site 24 hours a day. So I give it to credit that these restoration companies, they should have already been ready for COVID to shut down their offices because they're so used to working mobily anyway. So that was great for them. And for us, it was it was kind of a new thing. We had the pandemic response, but we had to adapt to it a little bit. But again, it it really didn't it really didn't bring in much work. It did bring in more work. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But it didn't give in where everyone's like, oh, my God, you made millions. No, like we made a little bit of money. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I got a new truck. Not going to lie. Um, but at the same time. We didn't rip people off and we didn't, when people called us, we educated them on why they needed our services and if they needed our services. Very it wasn't good. about the dollar sign. It was just about education and let them choose right. uh, if they needed us. And some of our clients just wanted us for show. In all honesty, some of them will even admit it. Look, we, we have employees that are scared I can, they I can totally see night. that. I can totally understand that. Yep. And all they wanted us to do is go there and they were like, look, just give us this and just show. And if they had an outbreak, that's a different story. But again, they just wanted more of a, just show your trucks there once in a while. And I was like, okay, like, they're like but that was some of our bigger clients. <laughs> like, we need to, we need to buy comfort. Just, just a come here. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 like you know with i was on the task force for my um daughter's school and it was the same thing uh reopening schools i i i tried to sit there and explain to them this is what we need to do this is what we got to do and they're like well 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 and i'm like please shut the news off look at the scientific data look at everything in front of us and let's work with that not what you are told to believe i said you have to understand do your research i don't care if you listen to something and something is told to you that's fine. If you want to believe it, believe it. But don't believe it blindly without doing a little bit more research. Well, and don't they have another level of accountability almost? I don't know if accountability is the right word, but you'll understand what I'm saying. You know, if if they go if they go straight science and 
decide not to do some things, right? How many then parents are going to be like, oh my gosh, my kid's not going because you guys didn't take proper protocol action based on the news and the media that they've been fed? And see, this is why public health campaigns in general is so important and people don't understand that. This is how when you start looking down, when you talk about TB, uh, HIV, you know, AIDS, all of them pandemics, not pandemics, but all of them outbreaks and certain things that we've overcome. One of the biggest things, obesity, um, diabetes, you have strong, even the smoking campaigns, you have strong public health um, basically campaigns out there to educate. This you didn't because nobody knew what they were doing. That's true. You had one mask, one non-mask. And it was the same fields. It was, and then you had the disproven of masks. And then, but people didn't really want it because this is where I said it got political. It was on both sides of the spectrum. Nobody wanted just to be middle, to kind of look at everything and paint a picture. It was the extreme to the extreme. There was no middle ground. And that hurt us more than anything. And in in workforce in closing down i can agree to disagree so i can support it and i cannot support it in some sense but nobody wanted to sit down and have that conversation it was one way or the other right and it was more driven i believe in a political manner but the science is great and you can look at the science but science can be skewed as well so that's why you can't just look at one article. You got to look at six of them. You got to you got to do your homework and do your research, and then build your own theory around it, and then work off of that to kind of disprove yourself or prove yourself that you're correct. And if you were able to do that, you were able to do a good job balancing COVID and getting through this pandemic. If you were able to look at everything, build programs build safety and platforms. And now, for example, the mask mandate, although it's going away, I'm making my guys keep it. And everyone might call me crazy, but I'm keeping it. Because to be honest, uh, we wear masks when we go into jobs anyway. Yeah. So why not just have it while they're going in, when they're meeting customers? I mean, we don't know what we're walking into. So... I want to see by doing that, I'm going to kind of do my own research and see my sick days on my employees and see if it goes down or up unrelated of maybe something they caught on the job. I'm going to see if that will actually have an effect by putting the masks. And this is where I don't think companies are looking at it. They're looking at it. I just want the mask off. I'm looking at it as could this actually make my production level higher and make my safety higher because less sick time. Um, more efficient on jobs um maybe so i'm trying to see if that will work and see if that works to my advantage so it's just another spin on things what's the what's the hypothesis there i actually think (laughs) i actually (laughs) i totally think i'm actually going to see a decrease in sick time um because um i think in general um even though we are exposed to germs i feel like we have a natural instinct to touch a mouse, touch areas. And I think, um, I think by minimizing that opportunity, you're going to actually increase hand hygiene. 
um, you're going to actually overall increase work site conditions and hygiene by just simply make you wearing a mask. I think it makes you conscious and I think it makes you want, look around you. And I think overall that's going to increase the hygiene of the company and my employees of hand washing and everything. Not saying they're dirty, but right, just right. more on a regular basis. And um, it's something that surprisingly not um, in my health behaviors class we talked about was hand hygiene and hygiene in workplaces all together and how a stomach flu two years ago could go through your office in what, a week? Even in the school. Yeah. Has this been able to now mitigate that? Because we're going to be more conscious, washing our hands, not cough, doing certain things. So do we see a decrease in that type of outbreaks in the next two to three years? So see, I, I was wondering that well. I was wondering that same thing six, eight months ago when, you know, kind of watching the next generation come up and going through the pandemic and like an elementary student now or a middle school student now. And then how do they then teach their kids the next generation? You know, as far as how important it is to the the sanita- hand sanitation and, and even even wearing a mask or if you don't feel good, stay home, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, I was curious, too, how it was going to impact on a larger scale. Yeah, my six-year-old has no problem wearing a mask. None. Like, yeah. she has no issues whatsoever. My three-year-old, he, he's a little, um, you know, but I say, look, when during the, during the heap of it in Jersey, look, you're not going out unless you have one. Okay. He put it on. And then I use a, a, a chemical, not a chemical, but a product called glow germ. Okay. And it, um, it's a lotion and you shine it over black light and it will show up and you have to wash it off. So like my daughter again is six. So what did I do? I put it on her. I said, wash your hands. She's like, okay. So I made a fun activity out of it. She washed her hands. I said, hey, do you think you, you you got all the germs and she's like yes daddy i did and i black lied her and her hands were still all just lit up and she's like oh my god daddy did i get somebody sick and i'm like no you didn't i'm like you didn't get anybody not yet sick. you didn't yeah, exactly <laughs> but now you know the importance of washing your hands and it clicked on her and i hope and i talked to a couple schools about implementing that in the glow germ platform is um because they have kid videos and kid activities yeah. and i'm like why not just incorporate that in school and health class like wash your hands properly learn how to do it like basic hygiene measures that i guess we do talk about but really they don't <laughs> i mean so well you talk about daughter, it in the sense of wash your hands okay and that's i mean really like that's that's as far as the education goes or maybe there's a song you sing while you do it or yeah, something. the ABCs. Is that what it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the ABCs. You're supposed to sing the ABCs and wash your hands, ask for warm water, you know, get in between. And I'm like, yeah, no. In school, it's like, hey, wash your hands. <laughs> You're right. It's like that's exactly how they do it. Now, though, they're focusing on it. So now do we see a decrease? And I, I yeah. absolutely think we will. I think in nature – and I think in just general, we're going to see a decrease on how many people get sick by spreading of germs. That's really interesting. And, I, and I'm, I'm listening to you, and I'm, I'm sitting here like, 
checking myself. I hate wearing a mask. I hate it. Um, I I don't count. I don't sing the ABCs when I wash my hands. So I, I'm I I'm the wrong. I'm you're. I'm glad you're giving some really good information here because if someone was to ask me like what what I do, I'm not doing it right. I know that. Anyway. I don't. I don't all the time too. But I don't like. How many times do you go to the doctor and the doctor says you got to lose weight, you got to eat healthier. So you go home for a week, you have that salad, grilled chicken. Next you're like, <laughs> next week it's like you're driving and you're like, oh, there's a Taco Bell. You know what? It's only one time. There's lettuce on it. Bell. There's lettuce yeah. on that taco. Exactly. And then next day you're like, oh well, what's two days? Here's McDonald's. And you just. It's like then a month later, you're like five pounds heavier and you're like, damn it. Yeah, I was trying to lose weight. Exactly. <laughs> Trust, I mean, it happens to all of us because one of the biggest accidents in construction or anything is complacency. Once you get complacent or you get out of your behavior, it is so hard to retrain yourself to go back. Oh, yeah. And to train ourselves right now, it's almost impossible and we're like my dad come on he's he's old he's 60 65 i yeah. think 66 to when i took over for us to implement things it was like no you're wrong scott no you're wrong dad i'm right no you're wrong it was like seriously for like three months a big <laughs> argument of no i'm right you're wrong I, and you actually see that in all of our fields with the difference between trainers as well as field, because some of the trainers, not so all, but some are not in the field as much in, anymore. So with newer technology, newer things that are developed, they might not be here or they might not see it or they might not understand it. And so they might not teach it. And then you're like, well, there's actually a better way. No, there's not. Yes, there. It, no, 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 no. Th this is the way. And you're like, not really, because this makes it 10 times easier. Like. Yeah. Look at technology, like even the equipment that we have to detect things have developed in the last 10 years. So when you had like me and my dad train, change over everything, oh, that was one of the be best battles ever that you like everybody loved it because at the dinner table, it was like, no, no, Scott, you know, no, no, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and it was just back and forth and the bickering <laughs> was just incredible. And I mean, but hey, we got over that hump now. And how we did it is he just basically kept his mouth shut and just said, here you go, um, just <laughs> do what done. you want to do. I mean, and I mean, we've grown, but yeah. I he mean, implemented the I'm too old for this shit tactic I, and just moved on. <laughs> yep. Like, I, you know what? I don't need this. I'm just going to drive around, just, just enjoy my life. And I'm like, yep, yep. Perfect. You do that. But then, you know what, I still learn so much from him, though, too. Like, I, I can't, like, there are certain things that I'll do, and he's like, oh, just do this. And I'm like, oh, I never thought about that. And because he does have that He has some that experience. experience. Yeah. yeah, he has that experience. So even though he doesn't have experience with the technology, technologies do fail. So the problem is, is when something has to be outside the box, he's yeah. taught me that you have to sometimes think outside the box. Yeah, he knows so, the solutions for that. Exactly. And that's so it's good to have that educational aspect and then be able to listen from that experienced person to mentor you, to develop you 
it's it's been in, especially since it's been my father so it's been a thousand times better um so but yeah it's 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 been it's been a it's been a fun run so far so well you know, i'm going to i'm going to switch topics one we're at an hour already and we can talk as long as you want that's that's not a problem for me at all but um we even talked about the bear foundation at all yet and and honestly that's like the one that was the one thing that I was like, Scott, I want to have. Well, I think I even when I texted you, I was like, I want to have you on the Bears. That thing is so cool. Yeah. Let's talk about it. And now we're an hour. We haven't talked about it yet. So <laughs> let's let's kind of let's get there. Let's get there next. But this, but the Bear Foundation. How did how did that start up? So three years ago, um, I was um. So my, my son had a neothorax when he was born and he was not major. Like he had some health issues, like the first like week of his life, but he's fine now. Okay. But, um, Good. um, what I saw was that when he came home and everything, one of my friends got him a bear. Um, and I'm just sitting there like thinking my, my childhood, how we always had that one item, um, throw myself so i'm probably going to get made fun of in the industry if anybody's listening to this but a boo from aladdin my sister gave me that monkey a boo. it was a stuffed yeah. animal yeah i still have him i still have him he still sits in my office <laughs> i felt so comfortable with him growing up that whenever i was having a bad time yeah. i just it was a comfort so three years ago well uh, i feel like i feel like i can i'll uh, i'll help out with this too okay so i had i had a yellow blankie that was that was now i don't still have it but i will tell you i'm 40 years old and when i go to sleep i tuck the comforter right up under my chin like i did when i was three years old with that yellow blankie and and fall right asleep so yeah yeah i know See, I, I know what you mean it, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that comfort level and a good thing for decompression as well if you you know and so three years ago, I was like, I drive home, whatever's going on with my son. I was like, okay, just a lot of things. And I saw, I heard a radio thing. And me being a first responder, I mean, when I was 16, I did, um, I did 2.7 million pennies, laid them by a gym, on a gym floor and donated them to Operation Smiles. So I was always, I've been always about volunteering. What was and, that? And everything. What was it that you did? <laughs> when I was 16. Six, um, okay. I, uh, well, 15, actually, I collected 2.7 million pennies and we laid them with my church. I was in charge of that. And we laid them one by one on a gym floor. And, um, and then we sucked them all up and we donated to Operation Smiles. And I ended up um, going to Pepperdine University for like a conference for Operation Smiles. It was pretty cool. Like, wow, that's how I've always been started. And then, so I've always been active. So that three years ago, when I decided, I looked, I, I called my parents and I said, I have a good idea. I said, um, we have a photo booth, um, an open theme. I said, I have an employee that looks like Santa Claus. I said, you know what? Let's have an activity where people will come in, take a picture with Santa Claus, and yeah. they can donate a bear. And we will donate them, the bears, to a kid with trauma, to, that's going through a trauma. Right. Uh, and my mom, we said, okay, great. So we did it, and then t- we did 250 bears. And I was like, okay, they had small bears, big bears, and I'm like, you know what? I wasn't happy. So I was like, you know what? Called my local Build-A-Bear. Well, you did 2.7 million pennies. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 250 20- bears, come on. Yeah, no, not at all. So I was like, I was like, called the Build-A-Bear. I said, look, 
I'm going to match the donation. I want 250 bears. And as I said, pick up your, you know, mouth on the you know, floor. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm coming to build them now. And they're like, okay. So I was like, you know what? Let me call a couple of people I know in law enforcement and everything. I said, I want to make this a community event at the mall tonight. So we called some police departments out and we're like, come. So they brought departments. And so what ended up happening was um, the cops were on the machines building the bears for the kids coming in. And the kids were building the bears and then getting a certificate for building the bears to give to another kid. So they got something memorized with and they got to interact with the cops. And it was like a really cool event. Yeah. And everything was awesome. I have some great pictures of just police interacting with the community. And I was like, this is just great. So the following year, I said, okay, we're going to do 500 bears. So we ended up doing it at two locations, 250 each and 500. Um, and then this year, so the, the last past year, I said, you know what? I can't really, because of COVID and everything, we can't have an event. I said, you know what? I'm just going to do a straight 1,000 of them. And so I called Build-A-Bear and said, I want 1,000. Of course, they said I'm nuts, but <laughs> they built them. And then I have a few friends that are doctors. Um, one of my really good friends, um, she, uh, his wife is a pediatric neurologist for Geisinger in Denville, PA. Um, she's, she does sleep studies and she deals with kids. And one of the things we've always talked about was that comfort level. And that brings back to that comfort yeah. of that abu and everything. And I'm like, these kids are going through so much and they can't bring their blankets in. They can't do anything because you weren't allowed to bring things to the hospital because of COVID okay. anything fabric. So I said, you know what? So I contacted four hospitals and said, look, I'm going to donate all these bears to you. They're cleaned. They're sanitized. You sanitize any way you want to put it. We're going to plastic bag them. We're going to give them to you so you can give out. Um, it went phenomenal. Uh, That's had amazing. a great time. Yeah. And we, it was just, I brought my daughter along. So um, uh, in Denville, they actually had a news thing there. And my daughter was there. And she's just sitting there. She did skip school. I didn't get in trouble, thank God. But <laughs> Um, I did let a six-year-old to school. Sorry, yell at me. Um, but I thought it was important. So she was there emptying the trailer with all these bears. And she's sitting there. And, you know, seeing that emotion on my daughter's face when and knowing that she was doing it not for herself, but because there was a kid that was less unfortunate. Right. It brought me back to what my parents taught me. And then... So I was like, this is this is bigger than just a thousand bears. I said, this needs to be the Bearing Hope Foundation. And I said, I was like, this is it. So I um, I got off the I did everything after Christmas. I called about 10 of my good friends and my parents friends. And I said, look, I want to start this. Do you want to be on the board with me? So we started with 10 people. Um and now we have that board and we're now hopefully this year, my goal is to do 10,000 bears. That's why I, heard, I remember um, seeing that. Yeah. yeah, that's my goal. I don't know because of COVID and because we had to get the 501 and the nonprofit. So we're running a little behind. Um, so my goal is 10,000 bears next year, but I want to do at least five this year. Yeah. Um, 
So we're going to be, we're going to get them custom ordered from Build-A-Bear. They're going to build them with our logo on them. And now we're, that's exactly how we're going to do it. And we're going to continue with the Bearing Hope. And I thought it was a great idea, even for the restoration contractors. Um, I've had a few people in the industry reach out to me and say, can we start an office up in Rhode Island? Or can we do it? And I said, yeah, why not? Like, call a couple hospitals. Like, we deal with trauma every day, like what we were talking about before, with fire, water. Like, these kids just lost everything. How many GoFund accounts do you see from all your clients? Yep. Hey, help this family out. Help this family out. Like, wouldn't it be awesome if the rest of restoration world in general just started picking up these type of missions and being able to say, hey, you know what? There's two kids involved in this house fire grabbing two bears and say, here we go, and go in there and saying, look, here's the bears. Why don't you name them? And although it's via the company aspect of it, there's so many kids that don't have anything. And we talk about poverty. And now with COVID and depression and socialization and being without, they need it more than ever, especially when they go into the hospital or when they go through like a domestic violent issue, they need yeah. that comfort. And that's what the bearing hope is going to be is where they're going to be able to say, Hey, this is, this is uh, lucky or this is because with build a bear, they give you that birth certificate. Yeah. So it gives you that extra layer of personalization. So like with the issue that I talked about, we brought the bears over to the kids that went through that issue on that murder suicide. We, uh, my guys went and said, okay, what do you want to call the bears? And like it brought them a little bit out of their shells, like not too much, but enough where they're like, wow, somebody does care about us. Yeah. Like somebody like outsiders. And I thought it meant a lot. And that's why, you know, the Baron Hope was was founded was the main people is the kids. Wow. People keep on texting me. I apologize if you can hear that. No, but you're... um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it was just a mere fact of we want to give back and the generation that we're going through with the younger generation, my kids, I, again, you remember your yellow blanket. I remember yep. my Abu. So we had that impact. That had that such a significant impact that we can still joke about it to this day and know how much that made us. Right. And yet, right. what are we doing for the kids that don't have that or that are struggling in? That's why the Baron Hope was founded. Was what well, I think to, to be able to that. give, yeah, to be able to give that gift exactly to someone who doesn't have it. That's, that's well, I can tell you, I I love I love this. I love all of it. Um, anything that I can do to help you, let me know for one, and then two. I think I think we should have another podcast at some point. You kind of tell me logistically when it when it should come out. Um, but something where we can talk about the foundation, maybe even a little more in depth, but then also have a call to action. And let's let's get 5,000 bears out this year. Yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. Like, like, and that's the thing. Like, it, when people listen to this, call me, reach out to me, and then start, even if it's a small chapter by you, you know what? A Build-A-Bear is $8, maybe 9 if you buy it in bulk, Okay. Or say ten dollars. Yeah. If you're gonna go to a store, so for five thousand dollars, you're buying five hundred bears. Yeah. So, how call your local hospital? 
they would be more than willing to take 500 bears for the pediatric unit. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And then or go to the, uh, the Battered Women's uh, Foundation or the Victims of Crime Compensation in your, and talk to them. Call the police department. So with the police department, some, like in New Jersey, that's how this really – how. so they keep bears in their trunks for domestic violence cases or accidents and certain things so they can give to the kids. Now, is this your bears or something that they've always done? They're always something they've always done, but that's okay. actually three years ago how how this really like that was one how of the things off. that we started don't yeah. Okay. Because and because I because that's who we donated to the first time. And um Got I it. thought that was awesome. It, and being a volunteer is. EMT, yeah, being a volunteer EMT, or you know how many jobs I've been on where nine one one gets called and you see or even I hate to say suicides where we've walked in and you see the two kids sitting there. God. Not knowing what just happened. Yeah, I can't comprehend it. Yeah, exactly. So this way, I've seen trauma. You know, I might not. I've been very fortunate in my life to not have gone through as much. But the mere fact of it is, is it's still there and it's still prevalent in our world with shootings and everything. With that, like giving back a little bit just to see a smile is to me priceless mm -hmm. and if you make your life based on helping others and giving that creation of a smile that's that's gonna be you you it's it's easy when i like, see with that smile is hope yeah exactly and that and that's like you couldn't nail it on the head even more like that hope that i can do this i can overcome this yeah i can build on something i can I can I can live on. I can move on, and sometimes when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven, even when you're three, that's something that small can lead into something bigger. Because we've always talked, and if you look at counseling and psychologists, they say that one moment can define your life. I was gonna say as life, it can be life changing. Yeah, it could be. So maybe that bear could put somebody from going down somewhere or being sick out, you know, scarred to maybe a little bit less yeah. because all they had was a bear. Yeah. Well, like I yeah, said, so I, I can't be more serious, man. If there's anything I can do for you and the foundation and, and with those bears, because that was the whole reason I reached out to begin with. I, I was really, really wanted to know what was going on with that. And I love it. I mean, now that even hearing about it more from you, um, you know, at first I thought it was just like, oh, you guys donated some bears. That's cool. But now to now to hear like kind of that purpose behind it and and how strategic it is is makes it way cooler. Uh, I'm I'm in, man. Anything you need, I I'll definitely let you know. I mean, I'm I will let well, once we get the five hundred one, we're in the final stages with the IRS. Okay. That's why we haven't actually the website's done, but we haven't launched it yet because we want that five hundred one. Um, okay, we want that aspect of going forward. So if bigger companies will do it for the kindness but also because it's a charity and it's a nonprofit. so let's be real yeah. so we know people will do that just for that so we're waiting to go live it's we can say we're 501 because legally i'm allowed to till i get a determination but we really want that number so that should be in the next i'm hoping month okay and that's when we'll launch the website um but then it's balls to the wall from there then you know 5,000 bears, I mean, hey, I would love to do 10. 
but realistically, right. I don't think it's going to happen. But if I think about it, if I got how many Build-A-Bears are there in the world uh, or in the country? Probably a lot. I don't know offhand. But if I got local chapters, like, you know, in the water and fire, they have these chapters, these associations that are popping up left and right now um, yeah. that, hey, we have a local chapter. Why not then bring it together in the industry, but also do something about a nonprofit, do something about your community as a whole, maybe not just, you know, what we can do to make more money, but let's bring it together and show what we can do as a bigger force. And well, if that, I think you could do twenty, thirty thousand. to be honest with you. Oh, you, you absolutely could. And I mean, I think... And we all know this industry, and I've been doing this podcast long enough, and anybody that's listened to it has heard it. You're in this industry to help people. I mean, if you don't if yeah. you don't have that at somewhere in your core, you're not going to make it in this industry if you're here just for money. You're, you're here because you want to help people. And what better way? I mean, and this the, the Bears thing is another way to help people and on a, and on a deeper level. So I, I can totally see the industry getting behind it and doing tens of thousands of Bears. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, and that would be like, that would be awesome. If you could do that and you know how many hospitals how many kids go through sicknesses how many kids get cancer like yeah all of these like this would be the moment where we come together and maybe unite and say and that's kind of once i get it that's what i'm going to really push is to bring in the restoration world um one of my members on the uh on my board is a franchise owner okay um from one of the franchises um, okay. <laughs> um, I'm not, I don't know if I'm allowed to use that name, so I'm just not going to throw it out, I got you. but, um, but he's on the board and he's been doing it for the last three years with me. So, um, he's going to be active. Um, I've got, I got reached out by a few others last year that saw my daughter on that news, um, with the bear. So they reached out and said, I actually had one big company around me. One of their um, area managers reached out to me saying, Scott, you know, my sister said, called me on this, and um, her kid was at that hospital a couple of years ago, and she said, did I know about you? And he's like, can I get involved next year? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll let you get involved. Like, yeah, please help. So I'm hoping that's how it's going to get bigger. I think think it will. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Well, Scott, well, uh, and then also this podcast is going to come out so we're recording today. It's May thirteenth. Um, it's probably going to come out in a month. So do you want to you want to talk about the website at all, and then people can can check it out. By the time this comes out, it might be live. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, it should be bearinghope.org. dot uh, Is it dot com? Yeah, dot org. I'm like, is it dot com? I always forget. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, bearinghope.org, and it's going to have everything there from the pictures of the events. We're going to eventually start a gala. So all of that will be in. Um, hopefully, um, yeah, within a month it should be out. Um, it's going to show how you can start a, uh, a local chapter, um, how you can get involved outside being a chapter if you just want to donate money, if you want to be a corporate sponsor. Um, okay. it, it's going to tell you top to bottom, and then it's also going to explain what we do and how we do it because there is two other uh, programs that we will be launching in the next year. Or two years. One is a scholarship, okay. And the other one is to, because we've seen an uptick in suicides of uh, first responders and frontline workers. What we're gonna do is also 
uh, start a charity to pay for that bill if insurance does not cover it. Um, oh, wow. Because yeah. they've donated so much of their time, even the uh, vets. They've donated their lives to serve us, to protect us. Yeah. And due to mental illness has has hurt them that has created a lapse of judgment or a sickness that have made them, you know, yeah. commit that act. And realistically, why did now does the family pick up that financial burden? So that's a thing that's going to be in two to three years okay. um, where they'll be able to apply. And um, once they're able to apply, we'll be able to pay their bill after, of course, one of us reviews it to make sure, sure it's sure. not out, you know, right. but we'll, we'll approve it. We're going to put a certain amount on it, maybe like $2,500 where they can ask for, for like a $2,500, um, like a fund or however you would call it to pay that bill. So that's basically what we're going to create, but that's not going to come out for like two to three years. Okay. Well, it's cool to see you guys are working on stuff. Well, I think we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, but again, if anybody wants to get involved, get a hold of Scott Vogel. Uh, you're on Facebook. You're on LinkedIn. You're easy to get a hold of. And then we'll yes, put the link to the the Bearing Hope dot org. We'll put that in the show notes, and people can, I'm sure, can get a hold of you there or contact somebody there too if they want to if they want to do anything. Scott, so good to talk to you, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on and talking with us and telling us everything. Yeah, thank thank you for having me. And uh, what I did just think before we ended, sure. First gala, you will have to come up to Jersey, and we can do like a podcast from the gala. We can do podcast from the gala. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, thank you for having me again. Hey, no problem. Man. Always good talking to you. I'll talk to you again soon, bud. Okay, bye. Bye.